Hello, everyone, and welcome back to SACS's Essay Today podcast. My name is Michelle Botcher, and I'm an associate professor at Clemson University. I'm also your host for this program. Today, I'm very pleased to have Christopher Ndritru at the University of New Orleans and the 2023 SACSA Conference Chair as our guest. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Hi, and thank you so much for having me here, Michelle. Um, it's truly an honor to be here in this space today. Wonderful. So we always, um, when we talk to each other, a lot of times our first question is, what do you do? But I'm really interested in who are you? So before we get to the work stuff, who are you outside of work? Um, if you want to talk about if you have hobbies, what you're reading, watching, listening to, whatever you want to share with the audience. Definitely. Um, the One of the most salient things about me and my um, friends and, you know, close mentors in my circle will tell you um, is that I was born in Kenya and I came to the United States when I was eight years old. Um, and I have lived in Richmond, Virginia most of my life, with the exception of going to um, undergrad at Old Dominion and getting my master's at Tennessee and, um, of course, working professionally. But I, I say that because the lens in which I see the world um, is very different from a lot of people because, um, you know, I have seen poverty. I have seen um, what my life could have been like had it not been for my parents who took a chance um, and just... Um, you know, says we're going to leave our life behind and try and seek a better life. And so um, I don't take that lightly. Um, it's one of the first things that I often say to people is just like, they're like, where are you from? And I'm like, here's where I'm from, because I think that's important to sort of um, share that, because uh, I think that brings a lot of um, various identities, one being first gen, um, being an immigrant to the country. Um, and so I think that just, you know, sort of, um, I, I hope in some ways that sh sort of shares who I am personally. Um, and I take pride in the fact that I was uh, born in Kenya. Um, things that I enjoy doing, I love to work out. I was, um, so in the, in the summers, we have a compressed summer schedule um, and people are going to think I am crazy because I feel like I'm crazy at times. I'm up at 4.30 in the morning. I am working out at 5 a.m. most mornings, and then I'm at work by seven. Uh, and I do Orange Theory. It is almost like a cult. Um, that's sort of like this internal joke is that people who do Orange Theory is like, you're part of this cult kind of group. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It has made my life so much better. By the time I get to work, I feel so much clarity. Um, and so, yeah, that's something that I enjoy doing. And I do it with my partner. And I love being able to do that together as well. Yesterday, I played pickleball for the first time in a few years, and I love pickleball. Um, as I was walking to work, I was like struggling to walk. I should have stretched after. Um, and I played it with three of our really good friends that we've made in the city. Um, and so that was really special. And after it, I was like, I want to make T-shirts by next week. I'm making stickers and hats and bandanas, and we're going to be this awesome team in New Orleans. Um, just playing pickleball. Other things, I love to graphic design. I hope that's something that people have also seen um, in terms of my my work in Saxa. And a lot of people will tell you 
oftentimes if I'm being reached out to, at least in previous roles, it's been, hey, Chris, like I'd love your graphic design skills. Mm -hmm. um, but then I've also got a, an incredible um, marketing and communications team uh, within Saxa. I love photography, taking pictures, mostly portraits. Um, I've done a wedding. I will never do a wedding ever again. Um, I love, love, love weddings, but I will never shoot a wedding ever again. Probably it was so stressful. Yeah. Uh, and then cooking. I love to cook. Um, and my partner loves the fact that I love to cook because he hates cooking. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, I'll cook anything. I'll try it once. Um, so yeah, those are a few things that I, I love to do outside of work. I love that. Do you have um, a favorite dish that you like to cook? So we love making my lamb burgers. Um, mm -hmm. You know, lamb in itself already feels so well seasoned. You don't really need much, but I am so extra. And so I'll add some <laughs> uh, cumin and some like Indian spices in there, um, some paprika, some smoked paprika, and then I'll stuff it with some onions and cilantro. And it just brings out so much flavor mm -hmm. out of it. I love to grill. I grilled on Monday. Um, I made some chicken on the grill. Um, I'm not really into baking. And I think part of it is with cooking, you know, you add a dash of this and add a dash of that. And honestly, if you give me four ingredients, I could probably make a meal out of it. Truth be told. Mm -hmm. With baking, if you forget one little ingredient, you know, your cake is not rising or it's 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 too dry and some of those things. But with cooking, it's it's like a fun process. It's like, you know, you almost um, create it as you go. And if you're feeling spicy that day, you can add a little bit of spice. And if you're not feeling spicy that day, maybe you could, um, you know, sort of take those pieces out. Whereas baking is is so meticulous and you need these exact ingredients. Um other things, I will make pizza at times in the oven. I really enjoy that as well. I love making fried chicken. Mm. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to say I have the best world's fried chicken, um, but I would like to think that it's pretty high up there uh, in the things that I make. And then recently I met a, um, a girl from Kenya um, I was at a pool party in New Orleans and, um, one of my friends introduced me to her and she was like, Hey, like I'm from Kenya. I was like, wait, you have a London accent or, you know, British accent. And she's also from Kenya. I was like, this is so cool. And so she came over to my apartment recently and I made a, um, Kenyan meal. It's called Ugali. It has some cornmeal, some meat and some veggies. And it was so special because I got to share that with not only my partner who's had it before, but then also um, a fellow Kenyan and her partner as well. And so that was incredibly special. So at times I'll make some Kenyan food. I love that. Well, thank you. Um, so you talked about kind of who you are and <clears throat> it, the fact that you don't uh, thrive in the rigidity of baking may be a parallel to working in higher education and student affairs, particularly <laughs> in housing, um, where the recipe is never the same from one day to the next, I would guess. So tell us a little bit about how did you get into the role that you're in right now? Definitely. So <laughs> I always knew with the fact that 
So many of the friends that I left back home and also family may never be given the opportunity that I've been afforded. I knew the second I got to this country, we were going to hit like we were going to hit the road and, um, you know, truly excel as much as possible. So anywhere from K through 12. And as soon as I got here, I got put into um, I think it was the third grade and all through K through 12 um, did as well as I could. Um, and then when it was time to, um, apply to colleges, like I already knew, I knew that was something I wanted to do from the get-go. Um, and you know, I think part of it is again, part of my identity of knowing that I was, um, a soon to be first gen college graduate and the fact that, um, you know, my parents were never afforded that opportunity. And so as soon as I got to Old Dominion, uh, university in, uh, Virginia, um, I, I, I wanted to be a doctor and if you've watched Grey's Anatomy, like I wanted to be Dr. Weber. I wanted to be Meredith Grey. Like I wanted to be like, uh, running into the OR and like, um, scrubbing down, putting your scrubs and getting to work. Like that's what I wanted to do. And then I took chemistry and, um, I think I took anatomy was the class that really deterred me. And I was like, nope, I will never do this. Um, and so it was around, I think my sophomore year where I started to um, just ponder. I got to that time period where I was like, I really don't want to do pre-med anymore. So I went over to nursing and now I just feel like I'm shopping around. It did not feel intentional and it never felt like this is what Chris was destined to do. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting involved. I was in student government um, and I made my way through senator to director and then to um, serving as student body president for two years. And truly those experiences are what got me into thinking about higher ed. Um, And I know we'll be talking about mentors um, later on. And so I want to save that for for that piece. Um, But it was truly the people that I was around with, both students and professionals who were like, Chris, I think you do so well in higher ed, much like a lot of our stories. You don't come into college saying, I want to be an AD or a director of residence life. Like, that's just not a thing. You don't even know that if that role exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I ended up becoming a NUF fellow with NASPA. Um, and for those who aren't familiar, it's, it's a program within NASPA um, that is centered around not only making our, our profession uh, more diverse, but really providing, um, you know, historically marginalized identities, opportunities um, to see um, a little bit of student affairs in higher ed. And so I became enough fellow. And so then at ODU, it has a really strong enough program. And so now we're really talking about what is student affairs. I was having conversations as early as being a junior. Um, and being in the space with other students who are also enough fellows um, talking about higher ed. And that's really when I knew higher ed was for me. I You could not have told me otherwise. Um, I had drank the Kool-Aid. You know, I was an RA, all these organizations, SGA, the newspaper, you name it, I did it. And made that switch. And it was almost like a leap of faith because I knew that I needed to graduate. I had a plan of graduating in four years. That was really important to me. And so I wasn't going to change my major. I was going to graduate with my uh, public health degree, which is what I finally ended up doing. Um, And then from there, 
I went to the University of Tennessee, where I served as an assistant hall director. In my first year, I opened up two brand new residence halls. And for anyone who has ever opened up two new residence halls, especially as a graduate student, I will say that was so eye-opening of a process um, from construction to the issues. You know, you think that this building has been built. However, it has so many issues, right? One day the water is not working. Another day you got something falling. And then something that was so new to me is a building at some point will settle. And as it settles, we started having complaints of doors not closing. I was like, why are doors not closing? This is so odd. And then they were like, oh, it's because like the building is starting to settle and like really get into the ground. I'm like, what is going on? Um, and so, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed my time at Tennessee, go Vols. Um, and then from there, I went to Davidson College, which is where I got my first professional role in housing. And then now um, I am an assistant director of residence life at the University of New Orleans. Um, so really part of it and how I got into higher ed was through the relationships and connections that I had. Um, and I owe a lot of it to being a NASPA NUF fellow, but then also uh, attending SACSA as a junior, which is so unheard of, right? And, and you know, again, we'll get to this, but really it's it's through the connections and the relationships and the people who invested in me that I was able to so early on understand and know what SACSA and NASPA and all these other professional organizations all right. And thank you for setting up my next question so perfectly. Um, one comment on opening a new building. So the last hall director position I had, I opened a new building. And not only do things go wrong, but people get really angry. It's like, this is a brand new building. And it's like, exactly. So um, to have done that as a graduate student, that's a heavy lift. So um, you got a whole bunch of skills <laughs> that you yeah, might not have gotten otherwise. So, and I think your public health background is interesting. I mean, at the time, you probably didn't realize exactly how transferable that was going to be in your work too. So, exactly. Um, and what I I really enjoyed this program because um, it was so heavy and like college of business world as well. And there was one class that I ended up taking that I still think about this day and I have the book, um, but it was, it was really centered around like working with difficult people in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And it was a summer class and I so thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was the first time up until then, I think it's uh, my summer going in, into my junior year where I was in a more non-traditional class where um Really, there was a huge gap in age. Um, I, I think that's probably one of the biggest uh, differences in that class. But I loved it mm -hmm. because I had people who were, you know, maybe 40, 50 plus. I'm here as a 19, 20 year old and I'm learning so much about their workplace and the things that they've learned. Because really up until then, the real work that I had ever done, it was babysitting and then being an RA and then finally joining, you know, SGA. Mm -hmm. uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So we took lots of sort of business classes and I know I used a lot of those um, going directly into graduate school. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about your sort of um, mentors or guides into your work. And I, I know this is a hard question because 
the list I hope is quite long. Um, but if there are a few people that you want to highlight who have been, we're, we're always talking about the field is small, um, but we know the same people if we don't know each other. So mm -hmm. who, who have been some of those people for you on your, your career path? Yeah. So one of the first people um, who I think has been so pivotal in shaping who I am today is Dr. Don Stainsbury, mm -hmm. without a question. And, you know, part of it is when I joined SGA, he was the chief SGA advisor. Um, he, he typically only advised the SGA president and then maybe the executive board. But he always came to the Senate meetings. And um, when I joined as a senator, he would always give a report. And I would always be so um, inspired by him because I, I I was like, he's a dean of students. Like, he's making time to be here. He was always cracking jokes. And that's something that you always find out about Don is he's always, always, always uh, cracking jokes. Um, whether it's with you or about you, he will crack some jokes, okay? Uh -huh. <laughs> and... Um, and I, I don't know at what point, like I started seeing him as a mentor, uh, that part is is sort of blurred. But what I do know is um, he took care of everyone in SGA. Whatever you wanted, he would do absolutely everything for you. And then at some point, I started like clinging on to that. I was like, I've got this person who is um, truly the most biggest champion not just for SGA, but for students. Mm -hmm. And I loved being at a school where I could depend on someone and go to them about literally almost anything and everything. And so um, he also was overseeing the NUF program uh, within NASPA. And so, you know, so, you know, as we're thinking about like, how do I, how do we start getting close? I would say SGA and then NUF and then eventually SACSA, where I served as his um, it was assistant to the conference chair, mm -hmm. which really just means between you and I and everyone listening was doing all the grunt work for, yeah. for Don, right? Like I've got this project and that project and that project. And then I ended up working in the Dean of Students office, which I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Um, and today he's a lifelong mentor of mine. He is someone that I will text at any point and we text probably every other day. I'm not even kidding. We were on the phone yesterday. Um, and I'll be like, I'm struggling with this. I have questions on this. I need your help on this. And it ranges from anything, um, whether it's personal or life, I will share those things with him. If it's professional or Saxe and beyond and my trajectory in this field, we'll have those conversations. And he is someone who will always keep it real. And those are the people that you need to have around you who are not going to tell you the things that you really want to hear, but then tell you those things that are just difficult um, to, to be able to sit with. And part of it is just tough love. <laughs> Excuse me. And sometimes we need that. And I've always, always appreciated that um, about him and, and the fact that he's just always there for you. <laughs> From Don, that leads me to um, now President Ellen Neufeld. Um, and she is someone who, again, is also a lifelong mentor of mine. And she was at Old Dominion at the time um, when I met her. And for her, she's always instilled in me this aspect of paying it forward. That is one thing that I can think about every single time 
I think about Dr. Neufeld. In fact, you know how sometimes people say, you know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? I say like, what would Ellen do? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm always thinking about her in every decision um, I make. And there's some times I, you know, messed up um, as an undergrad or even as a, as a grad student. Um, and she called me out on it. And I really appreciated that about her. I might have not during that moment. Um, but there are some things and some lessons that I have learned from her that I still use to this very same day. Um, I love her tenacity. I love how driven she is. She's someone who just inspires me um, to keep going. Um, even, you know, the fact that I aspire to maybe even be a college president, you know, one day we'll see. Um, so I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed everything that Ellen has done for me. And, um, she always says, pay it forward and never forget where you came from. So I will never forget how ODU has played a role into who I am today. Um, and to thank those along the way as well. Those are some lessons that I've, I've learned from her there. Other folks that, you know, I, I would just have to say a big, great thank you to are, um, and I met them at Saxa when I was a junior, Melissa Shivers. Uh, she is someone that I met so early on um, as I started to understand higher ed. Um, in fact, I think it was Ellen who introduced me to her. The second I told Ellen I was interested in um, going to Tennessee, she made sure I ran into every vol at Saxa. She was like, you've got to meet Dr. Doreen McCoy. You've got to meet Dr. Melissa Shivers. You've got to meet Dr. Frank Cuevas. And she took me around that entire conference until I met every single vol there. Um, and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. And so again, Dr. Melissa Shivers is someone that I, I consider a mentor. Um, Dr. Doreen McCoy is another really, really good one as well. So I made... Lots of really good connections and relationships. And I don't take that lightly. And I do all that I can to help them understand just how influential they've been in my life. And so at times I'll, I'll quickly, you know, text them and just say, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the time you provided me um, and, and help shaping me who I am today. And I, that's great to hear because I think sometimes we carry that with us in really significant ways, but we forget to tell the people. So um, I just, I love the, there's a theme of gratitude through your work and your story. And um, I'm glad that you get to celebrate that. That's really great. I, I like, I, it truly, um, and if if I ever forget, like I I always just feel so bad, but I, I try all that I can um, to help them remember just even to this day how impactful they are in my life. You know, I think about Dr. Melissa Shivers during Hurricane Ida, um, which was, you know, a huge hurricane cat four hit on my second week at work. Right. And then I was responsible for evacuating our campus. Um, several hours away, right? Like, I don't know this place. Like, uh, what is it? I knew what hurricanes were in Virginia, but you don't know what a hurricane is till we experience a hurricane in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. um, and so we are, have evacuated and I, I had texted uh, Dr. Shivers and we just talked about what an awful time I was having. And I so thoroughly appreciated that time. And she wasn't the only one. Um, Don was also another individual as well and, and some others. But just the time that she took to hear me out. And, you know, I'm over here thinking about 
I want them to have a good experience. People are complaining. It's an awful time. She goes, Chris, pause. That's something that Dr. Shiver says. <laughs> she goes, pause. And she was like, do they have food? I go, yes. She goes, do they have water? I go, yes. Do they have power and a place to stay? I go, yes. She goes, that's it. Yeah. That is all your students need right now. I'm over here thinking, should we program for them? Like, do we need to like, uh, how much do we need to take care of them? And I'm forgetting about myself. I'm also going through this hurricane evacuation, you know? Like, I'm so concerned about the 100 people that I evacuated to a different campus that I totally forgot about me. Uh, and she just said, there's no buts, pause, period. And I think about that. I think about that to this day. And it's been two years. Yeah. I, I've i never been through that situation and I can't imagine it. But um, it's interesting that your automatic go-to was and, you know, more mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And um, sometimes it takes that outside perspective, somebody to say, no, enough, you know? So, well, um, I look forward to reading your book when you write it. So <laughs> <laughs> you've had a lot of different experiences. Um, well, thank you so much for letting us get to know you and, and sharing some of your story as we kind of move into our topic today. Um, you alluded to this earlier, but before we go directly to the conference, um, the upcoming conference, tell us a little bit about your connection with SAXA. And, you know, you said you came as a junior. How did that happen? And um, of all the places you could invest time and energy, what is it about this organization that that um, inspires you to continue to give? Yeah, definitely. So <clears throat> as soon as I started to sort of voice that higher ed was something that I wanted to explore and it really, to me personally, was not even about exploring anymore. I knew where I was heading, right? Like I, um, pre-med was not for me. Again, I ended up graduating with public health degree, but <clears throat> I knew internally it was not for me. Higher ed is where I wanted to be. And as soon as I started voicing that, I had um, you know, Don and, and, um, Ellen, um, you know, churches really support you. Like, let's have those conversations. Here's what my world looks like. Um, and you have to remember at the time I'm serving as SGA president. So I'm already seeing it from sort of, uh, their level of having those conversations of how do we support students. But then at the same time, they're supporting me individually. And so they go, let's go to SACSA together. And it's us and maybe seven or eight different um, undergrads as well, some of whom are like some of my my close friends um, today and also within the profession. And it was in, I believe it was 2015, that was my first conference. Um, and I think that was Greenville, South Carolina, which ended up being also Don's conference as well as chair where Dr. Tony Cawthon was um, SACSA president. And so for him, it was like, it was personal, um, you know, attending that that conference. Um, and if I'm getting my years mixed up, uh, let me know. But essentially just being able to go to this conference was pretty incredible when you think about it. You know, having this opportunity to experience something as an undergrad student is truly um, 
like it, it's remarkable. You know, there is some professionals who may never even attend a conference up until, um, you know, they are a, a professional. They've got some professional development funds. But here we are as undergrad students and we've got these two incredible individuals investing so many resources and time in our development, uh, not just the money aspect, but then, you know, before we got to the conference, we're talking about here's what you can ex expect at SAXA. Here's what SAXA means to me. And then when we're there, um, Dr. Neufeld always had this um, this lunch. It was like an ODU lunch is what it, it, it turned out to be. And it was centered with the focus of having the undergrads at the table, but then also having the professionals at Old Dominion make sure that they sit next to an undergrad student. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't really think of it that much as a junior, but now as I sit here, I'm like, everything about that was so intentional. Having a professional sit next to me, part of it was for me to be able to debrief, ask questions, is this really for me? And they never pushed higher ed on us. And that's something that I've really enjoyed. And I've tried to embody that because higher ed is not for everyone. What I really did appreciate is if you wanted to go further, they helped you get to that place that you wanted to get to. And so now we're at this lunch that we've all set aside and every single undergrad student gets to go around the table and, um, you know, speak to what is their highlight been? What are some questions they have? Who are they meeting? Um, and, and again, it, it felt like an exercise, but I think about that. And that was part of my development. And that's something that Don and Ellen both um, did. Me, I'm just thinking it's a, it's a lunch. It's a delicious lunch. You know, we're just going to move on. Um, but then you've got professionals who care about you. They care about you. Um, and so I really enjoyed that. And so that was really my first conference. And now, as I think about it, it was the one in, I think it was Kentucky. Mm -hmm. uh, and the following year ended up being in um, in Greenville, South Carolina. So that's really how I got involved. And then um, started to really get, you know, deeply involved within different positions. Um, I one point served as, um, again, the assistant uh, to the conference chair. And again, that was Don Stansberry. Served as a volunteer coordinator, the undergraduate student symposium um, chair. Now I'm serving as a trustee on the foundation. I was program chair last year. And then now I have truly the ultimate privilege of serving as conference chair. And so, you know, it, it's a profession or a, an association that truly cares about you. And for as much as you want to give back, it's going to give back to you as well. Well, and I love the the full circledness of it because one of your early positions working with Don is he was conference chair and mm -hmm. now, you know, sort of navigating the organization and um, you working to bring us all together in Atlanta this fall. That's, that, I like that story. Um, so you talked about roles that you held what is it about this organization? And I I don't know that I ask this in every episode, but mm -hmm. in many of them I do. And I just love how people describe the Saxa vibe or, you know, whatever you want to call it. So what is it for you? Yeah. It is the power of connections and relationships that you get out of Saxa. 
you could attend for the first time and be among people who um, will, I think, almost immediately become some of your best friends. It is small enough to where you feel as though you can work the room and just all of throughout, you know, those days at SACSA at the conference. Um, and also as, as an association as well. And I think that's also really important. It's not just the conference. It is truly an association um, too. And people make time for you. And so if you were to reach out to someone, there's been countless times where, um, especially as an undergrad student, as I was searching for a grad program, and, you know, yes, I was, you know, exposed to Tennessee uh, super early on, but there was other programs that I was also interested in um, across the Southeast. And in any moment where I wanted to chat with someone, be with someone, sit next to someone, it felt natural. It never felt forced. I didn't feel like I needed to do it. It just, it, it felt so natural and authentic. And that's something that I've so appreciated are these connections that, um, we've had, I'll think, I think about Dr. Roland Bullard. Mm. He's someone I would always see at the podium. He'd get up there and he's trying to raise funds for the foundation. And I would always be like, who is this man up there? Like between him and, and Ellen, like they worked that room. Okay. Mm. We were raising thousands of dollars. Um, and now he's down the street as vice president at Dillard and I saw him last night like and now he's quickly becoming someone that I um so appreciate and love so dearly and we text every so often we've gotten lunches together with my partner and him. like it, it's just been so amazing and who knew that was going to be the case I didn't I just always saw him as someone who went up there said it's sacks of time and raised dollars and now he's quickly becoming not only a friend of mine but then also someone who um, I, I call a mentor as well. And so it's it's this organization that um, we're so, it's a family. And I know we say that so many times. And so early on when I joined Saxa, I would always hear it's Saxa time. And it didn't really mean much to me. I just kept saying it too. Someone shouted it, I shouted it too. But now it means something to me. And then at one point someone said, it's a homecoming. To me, as a naive student, I'm like, well, no, homecoming is like what you do at school where like alumni come back and we're all having fun. This is truly a homecoming for us. Like we are all coming back home to be with each other. That feels so special. And I am part of other associations, one being, you know, uh, Region 3 and, and NASPA at large. And I've loved all the things that it's given me. And that has also been part of my trajectory and in and, and, and a part of my, um, you know, life. Um, but something about sex, it just feels so special. And so that's what keeps me coming back a, every single time is the connections and relationships, this family where people care so much about you, um, and whatever you need, they will do all that they can to best help you, whether it's personally within Saxa and also professionally as well. That's great. And I think homecoming, that's a perfect word. So um, I'm going to dwell on that a little bit. Thank you for, for that. So you're part of the exec board now. What, what is that group? How does that interact? What's that experience been like for you? Yeah. 
think one thing that um, has helped me is I always felt so intimidated by the executive council. And, you know, it's not that those people are like um, intimidating in nature. I think it's just, you know, that they're the people guiding this association, right? And so whether you're an undergrad or a grad student and a new professional, you just, you hear EC and you're like, what is EC? Like, yes, they do like reports and motions and all these things. And they have meetings and they're guiding our association. Um, but I think what I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed is throughout all the positions that I have held, I got closer and closer and closer to the EC. So I got to better understand who they were as humans and what they're tasked with and charged with. And it wasn't until this previous term where I started sitting at EC as chair elect, one of the best decisions the EC has made. And I have shared that with uh, past president, um, Shamboda Mead of like, thank you so much for bringing me into the EC because as chair elect, seeing what Jessica did for an entire year was so helpful. They provided me the opportunity to attend the mid-year meeting, go to all of their meetings and just sit back. I was like a fly on the wall, right? Listening to their conversations. What is a priority for them? What do they care about? What, 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 where are they trying to take us as an association? And then of course, what impact do they have with the conference as well? And so it's been years of like, seeing where I fit within EC, truly understanding at the core of what they do and who they are, that I think has made me really enjoy my time of being an EC. It is a fun group, right? Like <clears throat> there were times last year, um, and again, I was really flying the wall. I was chair elect, so I'm really sitting back. Um, but I still felt as though my voice mattered. Right. And that's important. It wasn't just like, you're this person who, you know, you're just attending here to be close to uh, the, the current chair at the time, I felt like I was part of them. They would ask me questions too. And then now I'm sitting at EC with a lifelong mentor who's almost like a dad-like figure to me. And I, I don't say that lightly. And to see his trajectory within Saxa too is so special. And so I'm sharing it with someone that I care so deeply about. That's also made me enjoy it. It's got some really incredible people, some who I am friends with as well, um, that I love working around with. Um, and then I'm part of this group that is trying to keep Saxa, that Saxa magic. That's something that you also hear. They're trying to keep that Saxa magic alive. And there's conversations that the EC has that sometimes I'm like, I wish our association knew just how much time they take into having these authentic conversations on the price of being a member um, and, the, and sort of the costs associated too um, of attending the conference. What is the value of being in SACSA? Um, why should someone join it? You know, what's the value for a faculty member, for an undergrad student, a grad student? Um, and now we're in this time period where we're, we're you know, really what's what the world is doing has forced us and i think also it's time has forced us to really internally look at um you know whether it's our budgeting model and what are we offering 
Because right now it's difficult. It's difficult for a lot of people. It's difficult for, for some professionals to justify attending a conference and being able to like make it work within their budget. Positions are being cut. Budgets are being cut. Um, and so the time that EC takes to having these conversations tells me that not only do we have people that care about it, but Saxa is going to be here for a very long time. Saxa has gone through some pretty traumatic whether it's national, global, um, you know, events that's really impacted it. And you've got these people who are taking the time to making sure that it is still the same Saxon magic as it's been all throughout the years. Um, and I learned so much about them. We, there was a point where I think it was about two, three months ago, we paused to really talk about what's happening in DEI space and each of us ran around the the um, the call to talk about as an institution, what are we doing? How are we being impacted personally and professionally? And I enjoyed that. It was like a pause. It was like, let's just put Saxa here for a second because we are professionals still and this is impacting us. It's not only impacting Saxa and trying to figure out how DI is being impacted um, within Saxa, but then also at our institution. And it was like an hour worth conversation. And I loved it because it really said to me that we care about not only the association, but then each other and what we're going through um, at our institutions. Right. So I guess along those same lines of connection and um, belonging and the energy, do you have a favorite Saxa conference? You mentioned Kentucky, you mentioned Greenville, are there, and you're going to say everyone's a favorite in its own. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me in trouble with these past presidents, okay, and chairs. <laughs> um, wow. Let's, let's start with Kentucky. Um, <clears throat> and I say Kentucky because it was so cool. Like, we were at the Derby. Like, you know, I have this picture of me and one of my closest friends, Tryan Smith. Um, and we we're we are like standing in front of like this like Kentucky Derby like sign or or whatever it was. And it was so cool. Like it truly was like really, really cool um to like be down there and and, and to like see that. Um and I remember I think it was the closing where it was like this 360 room. Mm -hmm. um like digital like room um and we had like I think it was like the closing video and like graphics and you're like just looking up in the air and you're like whoa you see one picture there another picture there but then they're all connected like that was so stinking cool um I think about Greenville Greenville was incredible um I love downtown Greenville I actually did a, a summer internship at Furman um yeah. University and um, I remember, I think it was like, I don't know if it was a combination of like the Clemson, like cheerleaders or spirit squad, or maybe it was just all of Saxa. And it was like this big line, right? And people have pom-poms and they're cheering. And they're like, it's Saxa time. Like, let's get an opening. Like, like, let's go. And we're all like, you know, being taken to the next place. Like that was really special to like do that. Um, I think it's called Main Street. I could be mistaken, but that sort of that road where we were, we were at. Um, so that was awesome. Seeing Ellen as president, that was also really incredible because I got to see the power and magic <clears throat> and just who she is 
at Old Dominion, bring that out at Saxa as well. And the respect that she gets as soon as she walks into a room. That was special to see that, um, you know, for, for her to have that um, have that year there. Um, I would say I really started getting <clears throat> deeply involved within positions. I think it was Chattanooga where I served as volunteer coordinator. And that's when I really felt as though I'm getting a good understanding of what SAXA is. These things are... Um, like I have a good grasp. Like I I know who some of these people are. Like I know who Joe Buck is. I have a, I have a picture with Joe Buck in Chattanooga. Um, and so like, I think that's when it started becoming more meaningful. Um, I think part of it is just the years of attending, right? Um, so I think, I think about some of those things. There's one moment, and I've said this to Bo Seagraves before. Um, we're just walking. We're just walking. It's at the conference. And he goes, do you want a free breakfast voucher? I go, what? He goes, do you want a free breakfast voucher? Like voucher? I didn't even know who Bo Seagraves was. I really <laughs> did not. And I'm like, yeah, like, yes, I would love a free breakfast voucher. He gives it to me. And I've told him, I've told him this before. And it's so silly, the things that you remember, right? And that's one core memory I have is this person who to him, he probably had 30 breakfast vouchers. He's just trying to give these things away. To me, I took that as someone who just cares about me at this conference. We may not even know who we are to each other, but it, it was meaningful. And so there was a lot of those moments that I really enjoyed. And then last but not least, the one in Norfolk, for obvious reasons. It was that old Dominion, right? Like it was not only, it really felt like a homecoming, yeah. Right, like here I am going back as an alum in some ways, um, and Saxa is there, and I know Saxa was there many many years ago, and you still hear that Norfolk and and Saxa or uh, Saxa and Norfolk was one of the best, like, and so like I I love that I love that people still remember it that way from many many years ago, but the the most recent one, um, being able to just share that with people who have become my best friends and to say. You know, that's the place that I used to do X, Y, and Z. And I love this place and these things. And um, that was special. That was special for me to share Old Dominion with Saxa. And yeah. so, you know, that's, I think that's why that one was definitely my favorite. Um, and the things that they offered there, you know, you had like the Brazilian steak section. You had like... um you can get Starbucks, as much Starbucks as you wanted. There was a cupcake truck outside. So that team there, they definitely made that one memorable. Okay, so I totally set you up. You've said all these great things. <laughs> what have you got planned for us in Atlanta? <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a cupcake truck, breakfast vouchers. <laughs> what, what are you excited about at the upcoming conference? I think um, I, uh, you know, when when Don became president, I was I was having conversations with some of my friends, and I was like, "Who is he going to ask to be chair?" I was like, "I think it's going to be you." And then my friend was like, "No, it's definitely going to be you, Chris." And I'm like, "No, it's none of us. It's me, that person." And um, 
he like texted me this cryptic text. Like that's how Don just communicates. So it's cryptic, but then I, I just understand who he is, right? Like he's one of those people that will send you an email in the subject line. And I'm like, what the, but now it's so ingrained in me. And I just know what he is saying. It's so weird. Like it, it's like it, he has a own his own language. And when he asked me, you know, very nervous, I know what the conference means to the association and to a lot of people. But I knew I was ready and I was ready because of the positions and the experiences that were afforded to me throughout all these years, right? Serving as assistant to the conference chair, volunteer, undergraduate student um, or undergraduate symposium, being foundation program chair, which I learned a lot. I would say that's probably the closest to the chair is, is a program chair um, position. And so as we think about like this upcoming conference, I would hope people, um, and I know there's already been a lot of trust, right? The EC had to approve it. And um, I've already felt that trust from a lot of people um, and having me serve. I think one thing that I am looking forward to, and is because we were so early in our planning and it's um, currently June now, the intentionality that is going behind this conference um, is something that I hope people will see and recognize. In building my team, the conference leadership team, you know, I'm not just picking people that I know I can work really well with. I think that's really important there. But then people who have the skills to put on a remarkable conference, if you look at our marketing and what we have been able to design and making sure it aligns with Saxa too, that team rock stars. Mm-hmm. I am a graphic designer. They are they are putting in work. Like they are incredible. The videos and the graphics and all the things they've been able to do, phenomenal. I think about whether it's programs or registration, uh, registration being Dr. Fred Tigas and, and programs being Dr. Uh, Kim Bullington. Um, they're phenomenal people. They've been at Saxa for so long. They've got a, a rich understanding of what is important to our association. So I think that is what we, I can guarantee you is the fact that we're among people who have the, the skill sets and the experiences to put on an incredible conference. Um, another thing that we can look forward to is Atlanta and all the things that Atlanta has to offer for us. When we were at mid-year back in February, which is a time for the EC to come and the conference year and look at our hotel, just the history that is down there and the opportunities that it provides to people to really immerse themselves with this city is endless. And I, I hope that people will find the time to be able to connect with the city, whether you know they come the day before or stay later, whatever way it is, or lunch on your own. Just go out and, and see the city is incredible. I think that the the location is really important, right? There's so many institutions in downtown Atlanta and Georgia in general, but then you're also in this sort of centralized place where we've got a hub, a major hub, one of the busiest airports in the world. And so I'm excited for people. Like, I don't take that lightly. You know, we're going to have less people connecting to different cities and people can just go direct and much cheaper. And so as we're thinking about, you know, people being able to afford 
this conference, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for people to have a direct flight um, into Atlanta. We've also got a local arrangement team that is infatuated with Atlanta. And so I'm excited for all the things we're going to be able to offer. There's going to be this table next to registration. We haven't, and if someone has a really cool term or word for it, let me know. Essentially, if you don't know what Atlanta has to offer for you, or you want to know how to navigate Atlanta, uh, whether it's the transportation or go to lunch, there'll be a table dedicated just for Atlanta. And I'm excited for that. Think about attending SACSA for the first time in whatever role you're in, faculty, a professional, undergrad student, and not knowing how to navigate the city. And so I'm excited. We're going to have people who love Atlanta be there and help people get connected. There's one thing that we're toying around with, which is almost like a lunch with the buddy. Lunch sometimes can feel awkward to some people, especially if you're the only person coming from your institution, or maybe you don't know anyone really from your institution. And so we're going to have an opportunity to connect people that want to be connected to say, hey, if you want to go and have X, Y, and Z, there are these 10 people too, who you all can walk with together and go and enjoy a meal or, or whatever, spend time together um, with each other. And so um, those are some things that excite me. Um, it's no secret. It's in, in the schedule and I would help people look at the schedule. Um, I'm excited for our opening and closing. Our opening will be at Georgia State University. Um, an incredible, remarkable institution. Um, and I don't want to go too far <laughs> into that, but I'm excited for that to be for opening. And then for closing, it'll be at Spelman College, um, right? And so being in a space that has such a rich history, um, a well-known HBCU, um, I'm super excited. And so I, I look forward to um, what that means for the association and how people can relate to um, both institutions as well. That's great. So, and and you touched on this with some of the things that are going to be offered. What, what recommendations do you have for the first time SACSA attendee um, for, especially for students and new professionals? How, how can they make the most out of their experience? I think the first thing is, you know, understand, um, you've got to understand the theme, reimagine um, our path forward. And there's been so much time that I've put in and so many others as well in ensuring that all of the things that we'll be offering at SACSA um, relate back to the theme. That's really important. We're in this time period where so many of us are being called to address things we've really never addressed, take on things that we've really never taken on before, challenges and issues we really haven't seen. We're seeing still the after effects of COVID, which we're going to have that for the rest of our lives. Um, the attack on the value of higher education and some of the aspects of higher education, um, whether it's DEI and DEI statements and offices and positions as well. And so, you know, as we think about the programs we'll be offering, we hope to offer things that will help people, um, you know, look at their personal life, their professional life, their identities, and really fit into that theme of reimagining. What what do I, what am I being asked to reimagine? 
right? By whether it's my supervisor, external uh, stakeholders, but what do I need to reimagine for myself as well? I think both are valid, right? There's things that the institution are going to tell you, you just need to reimagine doing X, Y, and Z with now a new budget. But then you personally, it could mean that a different functional unit is best helpful for you, or you need to go somewhere else and do something differently. And then also reimagining your life. So people, as they're thinking about the next few months up until we get to Atlanta, they're thinking about these questions. And then I hope that we'll be providing the space and experiences, opportunities, educational programs that will help people in answering some of those questions. Um, you know, one thing that, you know, you, you asked me, which was, what are we going to be offering again? And this is also in the schedule. So it's no surprise how people look at it is wellness and well-being. And each day of the conference, you can expect for us to have some sort of a well-being activity. Um, and so right now, as it is, we'll be offering yoga, sound therapy. We're bringing back the walk and sort of run opportunity for people who would like to engage in that. Um, you know, we're, we're taking on so much. Everyone is tired. Some of us are so burnt out. <clears throat> um, and so I hope that people know that uh, we hear them, we see them, and we're providing all these opportunities. Um, again, whether it's reimagining your overall well-being and your health. So to anyone that is attending for the first time or the 20th time, um, I hope that you know you're coming to a place that is filled with so much love and care and um, a big family yeah. um, to so many of us and um, to be open to the Saxa magic because I think you could be so reserved whether you're an extrovert or an introvert attending this thing for the first time could be scary and daunting. Know that I am so committed and so is my team, and I would say SACSA at large as well, in ensuring that you will take from the conference um, and know that you became a better person by attending. And so that is my commitment to anyone listening <clears throat> and to anyone who will be attending SACSA for the first time or, again, the 15th time, is that um, you will grow and you will learn. And I look forward to being part of your reimagining journey. Yeah. So the last question I have, I feel like you've answered through every question in some way. Um, but if you were going to highlight a top few reasons for coming to Saxa this fall, what, what would you say? You know, in some ways I feel like I have answered it in um, a variety of reasons. I, I, I think one thing that I've really enjoyed is we've been forced to, as an association, reimagine a lot of things. And so we've had plenty of conversations at EC and the questions that I've gotten of, you know, how could we make it <clears throat> still a place um, people could attend and afford and um, still gain the same, if not more, of the things that they have gotten before, right? And so it might mean we may have to take away X, Y, and Z, but what are we putting there that's still gonna have that incredible value of attending a SACSA conference? And so, um, you know, I, I, I'm so thankful to the EC and all the support that they've provided me in um, 
you know, giving me a budget and, you know, sort of a, a playground of things that I could do that is still going to be affordable. And so I can't think of another association in which provides you the rate that we offer to be a member and then also attending the conference and all the things that you get out of it. I really, I can't think of one. Um, and so I think that's one thing that I hope people could still um, realize and know that it's still a conference that is so affordable to so many. And uh, we do that for a reason. Part of it is the demographic and who we have attending a conference, right? We hear that SACSA, um, you know, was envisioned by a graduate student. And so there is so much attention to ensuring that um, we hold true to our core values. And so that's one thing that I can think about is sort of attending this conference and things that we can look forward to is it's still a, an affordable conference to so many um, and being able to attend. Um, again, there's some things that I look forward to um, being able to bring that we've never done before, or maybe we've sort of lost sight into doing. And again, one of those is, is that wellness period. And so I look forward to providing a space where people could sit and relax and take care of themselves. Uh, attending a conference could be very, um, you know, draining to a lot of people, right? The conversations and attending this thing and going to this thing. So those few things are a few pieces that I'm super interested in. Um, there's going to be an incredible surprise for the people who attend the walk run opportunity. I won't get into that. Um, I hope people will read our messages and look at our website. Um, so I'm super excited for that one if you attend, but then also the sound therapy and the yoga that we'll be providing at the conference are two really awesome, unique things that I don't think we've done before. And so I'm excited to be able to play around with these things that, um, again, might be might be new to the conference. Um, and then third, you know, I am so competitive in nature of like, I always want to outdo myself and do better. And last year, and we really never looked at the exact numbers, but I, I keep being told last year we had um, probably a record number of programs submitted um, and so that excited me last year's programs chair, the amount of programs that we had. And so I know it probably made Kim nervous because I'm like, Kim, I have to double that number. Okay. We oh. just really, I could, we just got to double it. Like, I'm so excited. We're in an awesome space. Then she's probably like, oh boy, like, what did I sign <laughs> myself up for? So I'm excited to have programs that align with our theme as well as speakers. Mm -hmm. um, I owe it to Dr. Nikhil Borwell, who is our major speaker share in all the conversations she's had with different speakers that we plan on bringing. And some of them are so incredible. And I'm so excited. Again, we're so early on. I cannot release some of these names. I want her to have her moment and to like send this blast of who we're bringing. Um, you know, I I'm so excited for the people because she will take the time to visit with them, uh, whether it's Zoom or a phone call, and tell them what SACSA is. And here's our theme. And what are some topics that you might have that could align with our theme? We're not going to force you to align with our theme. We want to make it natural. We want this to be natural for both parties of like, here's our theme. What are some things that you think you can contribute versus we just really like you, so you got to fit in this box. I don't want it to be that way. I really want it to be someone who is um, 
remarkable people will love and are out there, whether they're in our association or not, um, align with her theme. So those are a few things. And I, I look forward to the so many other things that we'll be offering um, and, and sort of sharing. And so I hope that people look at the SACS alerts, but then also our conference updates. So those are different. Those are specific to the conference. And so um, you can expect more information to come out regarding the conference. And we're about to start doing this as well um, as we move forward of like, um, what are some things that we're going to be offering? And I'm excited to be able to do that um, in the months to come, starting with um, there will be an upcoming SACSA conference update next week. Awesome. So um, what haven't I asked? What else do you want to talk about? You know, as we start to wrap up, what what did I miss? Um. I would not be where I am if it was not for Saxa. And I don't say that lightly. I really don't. And I mean that with the highest, highest regard. I also owe it to those people that I met within Saxa. Some I met outside of Saxa, right? Don and Ellen. But I think about even <clears throat> meeting um, Dr. Frank Cuevas, who is the vice chancellor now at Tennessee and meeting Dr. Dora McCoy, Melissa Shivers, you know, I met them as a junior. And then that following summer, I did an internship with them mm -hmm. going into my senior year. So I don't take that lightly, you know, and when I did my internship, I did it in housing with Dr. Cuevas. Mm -hmm. Um, and my first week there, in fact, my first day during that internship at UT was, I think, the um, the day before the Mid-Managers Institute had started. Well, what did I just do a few weeks ago? I was the MMI coordinator, right? It's like this weird, like, everything just is connected. Like, it just feels, it's so interesting. And so by the sheer nature of attending this conference and meeting Dr. Cuevas, who then became my supervisor, that summer. And then I didn't know what MMI was. He, he was just like, Chris, are you here? Let's get to work. I go, okay, let's do it. Like, <laughs> you know, I signed up for housing, but let's, for this one week, we're going to do this thing. And I met incredible people that week. Um, there's some incredible names out there. Uh, you know, Dr. Corey King, um, you know, at one point he was a VP. Now he's a president. And like, who knew, like, I did not know about these people. And there are so many people that I met during that week that have gone off to be remarkable people in this field. Um, and it was all by attending that conference. And so I went through this MMI week, again, really just not knowing what it was. And then a few weeks ago, I was MMI coordinator um, with our MMI director, Jay Lambert. And so, you know, I, I sit back and I just, I'm in awe at all the things that Saxa has provided to me. And um, if Saxa was a person, I would shake their hand. I would give them a big hug and just say thank you um, for taking me in with so much love and providing so many opportunities um, to me. Because I, I honestly would not be here had it not been for Saxa and those connections and relationships that I've cultivated through the years through this association. Um, you know, I don't take it lightly that 
I am, and I hope this does not offend our, our my my fellow trustees on the foundation, the youngest trustee on there. <clears throat> I don't take that lightly. You know, when I got the invitation to join and apply, I was like, wow, like a, a, this group of people that um, at one point I was also like sort of afraid of. I was like, what is this group here? Like, what are they doing? And then to be invited to join and then, you know, um, raise dollars and and truly give back to our association is, um, it's awesome. And almost like, if I kept talking, I'd probably cry at some point. Um, but I, I want to say thank you to Saxa. Um, and so again, if it was a person, I, I would give it a big hug. Um, and I, I hope people know that the things that I've been afforded to have within Saxa is not unreachable or you can't attain it. It is so easy and it's there. And the second you say I'm all in, you will get it. Um, Find anyone. We can connect you. If you tell me you want X, Y, and Z experience, either I, someone else can connect you. And I love that about Saxo. And I appreciate you saying that. I think a lot of organizations say it, but it doesn't always play out that way. Um, But consistently, that's what I hear from people about Saxa is you will be able to find the opportunity you want. Sometimes those opportunities find you. Um, mm-hmm. But I I appreciate that. And I love the idea of sex as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's some beautiful imagery. So, well, thank you for everything this morning. I really have enjoyed the conversation. Um, one last question before I close this out. What's something in your world that's giving you hope? It can be Saxa-related. It can be your life beyond your work. Whatever kind of comes to mind this morning. It's a great question. Um, I'm going to use... Um, I think I'm going to use my little brother. Hmm. Um, so he, um, he, he just means so much to me and, um, he's 18 and, um, honestly, like he is like one of my closest and and best friends. Um, and you know, we have this, um, almost 10 year age gap between, uh, between each other, a little bit more than that. Um, and he just gives me so much hope because he has this, like, he knows the world is so hard and tough and all these things. But um, at times, life has not been kind to him. And he's always been someone who I've been so concerned about. You know, it's like, is he going to finish high school? Like, is he um, going to have aspirations to get a college degree? Like, is he, I just want him to stay on the right path. And he sees the world so innocently. And I, I I love that because he's not just naive. He knows that there's, you know, these things that happen in the world, but he gives me so much hope. And um, again, 18, right? He's in community college and he just became a full-time realtor at 18 oh. years old, right? You know, he's got... Um, for anyone who is looking for a house in Virginia, his name is Alan Doritu. Happy to connect you to him. And he's doing showings on Friday and Saturday and Sunday. I follow him on Instagram. He has a LinkedIn. <laughs> he has a LinkedIn at 18. You know, like 
This is incredible. And the passion and how he talks about his world um, and him finding his purpose, uh, it just, like, I get goosebumps thinking about it. Because at one point, like, I didn't think he was going to make it this far. And, I, you know, and part of it is just the things that, that that's happened in our family. And now he is so committed and has so much passion. And he'll text me these paragraphs. The other day, I was like, what are you learning? And he was like, I'm learning X, Y, and Z and this and that. And I'm like, I just learned that last week. And you're <laughs> learning this at 18, you know? Uh, and I wish I could I could pull it up quickly enough. And I sent it to one of my best friends who, you know, one of my first friends I made when I came to the U.S. who knows my family so well. I go, Sam, do you see what Alan just texted me? She goes, what? Like, who, who is this kid? So that's who inspires me and inspires me to this day. Um is his tenacity and um, to know that you can really accomplish um, so many things that you put your mind and heart to. Uh, that is beautiful. And um, it's one of those stories that just makes me feel like a pretty big underachiever. So thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> Trust and believe me too. I mean, this kid, like, I can't even get him to do his homework. And when he was studying for his um, his exams and, you know, I, real estate stuff, uh, I understand there's a national one and then a, a Virginia one. Um, you know, he even, he failed his national one. Mm. And where someone would have maybe stopped and paused and reevaluated their lives, he, my mom tells me, he goes, he wasn't talking to me. He wasn't talking to his girlfriend. He was looking at his, he has this binder and anytime I would go home, he is like studying it. And I'm like, Alan, like <laughs> my brother, like what? Like I can't even get him to do his homework. And this kid is like, he's got a big binder, Michelle. I'm like, this is so wild. <laughs> and, you know, kept up with it and passed his national one. And I'm so excited for him. And then, you know, the Virginia one, um, he, he passed out on the first time. And then now he's, um, a, you know, a, a full-time real estate agent. And the thing is, is the uh, brokerage gave him the opportunity before he got his license. That also gives me some hope there, right? I would have thought this group of, and he's been at networking events, you know, I'll see his stories and he's 18 and he's like at a brewery, not drinking, but he's at a brewery at one of their like networking events. And I look around the room and these people are, are like 30 and 40 and, and much older. And he's 18 and they let him into his world before he got his license. And I love that. And they, they would spend so much time with him. Um, and it, so all this, like truly him and the things that he's been able to accomplish in the past year, give me so much hope. And um, I would have thought otherwise, like I, I would have thought they'd be like, come back when you're 25, come back when, you know, you could even grab a beverage at a at a brewery. Come back when you get your license, but they let him in before that, and so he was attending staff meetings on these things before that happened. Um, and then now he has his license, and they've even you know I, again taken him on even more. So the whole thing gives me so much hope in this world, um, and he gives me so much hope as well. I love that. Well, when this comes out, make sure you share it with him because. I will. Um, and everybody listening, share it with everyone so we can promote his work, um, make that resource available. 
Well, thank you one more time. Um, I do know that uh, time is a limited resource, so I appreciate you spending uh, some time in conversation with me this morning, Christopher. And I, I catch myself saying this morning or whenever you're listening to this, whatever time of day it is. So, but thank you so much for the conversation. I really enjoyed it. It has been my absolute pleasure um, and an honor. And it's a phenomenal way for me to, to kickstart my day. And um, I help people register. Yes. Uh, late registration begins September 28th. So get in before then. And then on-site rates begin October 18th. Um, and if you listen to this before the end of the month, if you've got some extra uh, dollars before the new fiscal year, a great time to do it. The program's deadline is coming up. Um, June 30th, if it's not going to be extended by the time you listen to this, um, hope you get in your program proposal in, um, but certainly I hope you all register, um, for a conference that is shaping up to be, um, and I'm sure every chair says this <laughs> and, um, I may get in trouble. I hope I don't. The best conference that SACSA, um, will have had to this date. That's right. Well, and we got to double those uh, conference proposals last <laughs> year. So um, get ready for your email to get bombarded, Kim. Here you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you one more time. I uh, learned a lot and um, it's nice to get excited well in advance of SAXA about SAXA and reinvigorated. Today's Essay Today podcast is brought to you by SAXA. We thank them for their support. As was mentioned, do not forget the conference will be happening this year, November 4th through 6th in Atlanta, Georgia. Watch your email and check the SACSA website for more information. And we look forward to seeing you all there. As we close, I'd like to leave you with a quote from John Lewis. Today's quote, if you come together with a mission, and it's grounded with love and a sense of community, you can make the impossible possible. My name is Michelle Botcher, and it has been a pleasure to host this episode. Have a beautiful day.